and welcome to this Listening to the Earth podcast. My name is Charlotte Dufour, one of the co-founders of Listening Inspires, and I'm delighted to be with Zara Waldebeck today. Zara is a very special person. She's been working with words all her life and also with nature. The theme of today's podcast is listening to the words with a, a new attention to them. I've met Zara uh, through some of the online courses she offers. One was Earth Our Home and the last one was uh, that I attended was Writing with Soul. And it's in that course that some of what she shared just opened a whole new world for me and I thought it would be wonderful to share it with some of you who are following this podcast. Now, just to introduce Zara in a few words, she was born in Sweden, uh, but lived in the United Kingdom for many years, for 30 years, where she was writing and directing films and worked as a script editor. She wrote two books, Writing for the Screen and The Creative Screenwriter, and developed a special way of teaching that builds and encourages creative flow. And I confirm that is very much the case. Um, about 20 years ago, she shifted her focus and now teaches creative soul work and how to live in relationship with the living world. And she feels that everything is alive, meeting as both matter and spirit. And she listens to the voice of the earth for inspiration, solutions, and new perspectives. She's part of the Scandinavian Center for Shamanic Studies and lives at a small retreat center in southern Sweden. Welcome, Zara. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. And thank you, Charlotte, for inviting me. I'm so delighted to be here and to, to share my love of words with you. Thank you. And indeed, this idea for this podcast came up when I was following your online course, Writing with Soul. And in the first session, you, you opened this whole new perspective on language for me when you said, the words themselves have a soul too. Each of them is a carrier of meaning and a carrier of energy or a carrier of connection, a way of connecting to the world and to myself. Wow, that got me thinking. Um, and I'm slowly exploring what that means and strolling, slowly developing the awareness of their aliveness when I write or, or when I speak. But maybe you can tell us a little bit more about what you mean by the words have a soul and how you experience that in your own life. Thank you. Yes, I think I'm going to take a roundabout uh, response and sort of get there uh, in a little while. I just want to um, walk through some some other territory, you know, to be able to get there. And and one is that when I talk about the living world, what do I mean, right? And there is this word called animism, which means that everything has an anima, a soul, or a spirit. And when I teach uh, this animistic approach, which is to say, I can relate to everything around me as if it is alive. I often start out by saying, we don't have to have this proved to us in order to try it out. Um, it's not a theory that I have to accept before I can step into it. It's a choice uh, of how I want to relate to life. And then I can try it for myself and see um, if I choose to see the world as alive, to experience the world as alive and to relate to the world, world as alive, how does it respond? What happens to me and to my life as I live in that way? And then I can work out what my own experience and maybe even my own definition is of animism or, or the living world. 
And I think very much often we stop ourselves from experiencing a deep connection because we want to understand it first. And I often say experience it first and through that come to the understanding because otherwise you never start. And otherwise we're sort of stuck in this maybe slightly smaller human perspective where we want everything explained rather than just really opening up to a much vaster network of relations. So that's sort of the first thing and that it doesn't have to be proven in order to be experienced. The other thing is when I teach these writing with soul courses or creative soul courses, um, I start out by saying, who knows what soul is? Again, do we have to define it? So if words have a soul, you know, uh, what is the definition of that? What do I mean? And again, I just mean that I can relate to words as if they are alive. Um, I'm not that interested in pinning it down. You know, often I talk about butterflies. I often feel that the words are like these swarms of butterflies fluttering around me and I can just stand in them and rejoice, you know, as they fly free around me. Whereas sometimes if we try and catch those butterflies and pin them down and put them on the piece of paper and name them, you know, then... Um, the life sort of goes out, the fluidity and flexibility and movement goes out. So, so I'm not that interested in having to define it in order to experience it. So when I say that words have a soul, to me, it means um, that I can listen to them in a different way. Rather than them being like an inert tool, that uh, like a screw or a... Um, uh, yeah, like hammer or something, not that they're actually that inert either. But rather than saying, oh, I'm just using tools as a, as a way to create meaning, um, I can listen to them. And whether I'm working with words or with a story or with um, listening to nature, I say, start by listening. Listening is always the first step. Actually, the first step is to arrive and maybe be silent and just be there. And then to listen and open my whole being and my senses to listening, whether that is to a river or to a, a glen in a forest or to my own heart or to a word. I'm listening. I'm offering my attention and presence to the word, to the place, to myself. And I'm listening. And then in the listening, a relationship is is created and uh, I see that relationship as a kind of a you can see it as a bridge or a river something begins to flow there's a connection where I'm listening to the word and the word is showing itself to me and then I begin to feel like it's uh, in my hands so instead of me saying okay I'm just going to gather these words and put them in the right order I'm trying to listen to which word wants to be used where and how which is the right word to come to me now. And even in a very simple, concrete way, I really love etymology. I love to sort of dig down into the roots of words and understand their multiple meanings. And not, not again, this is really different from trying to pin things down. So I'm always looking for like all the different sides to a, a story as if it's a kaleidoscope that we can look through that shows us so many different sides um, and that gives a totally different kind of relation and totally different kind of meaning than if we're just trying to always find this one 
definition. And I find that when I write or just when I talk or when I'm out in the world, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know how it's happened, but I feel that words love to come and play with me because I love to play with words. I love to listen to words and I love to write stupid poems and just see how do they all connect and how do they rhyme and how do they fit together and what else are they showing me that I hadn't thought of. So, uh, I mean, personally, in my own um, personal world, I just love to be a playmate with with words and see what they um, reveal to me, what they show to me endlessly about worlds and just one more thing which is that often when we're we want to understand again coming back to this thing oh I I, I, want, I must understand I need to understand and I, I have one word and rather than thinking okay now I know what this word is I can just keep asking the word to show itself to me in even more sort of nuances and so so it's not this one thing that I now know but it's like um uh, like a Sufi story, you know, or like a parable that I'm, I'm sort of going down deeper and deeper with a with a word, and it's teaching me more about what it means and how it wants to be used in the world, and and so then speech or writing or stories, they don't need to be complicated. They can be very simple, and at the same time very rich in in substance and energy and connection. Wow, it's beautiful to hear you uh, speak, and I could actually see butterflies around you and and visualize the act of writing as a painting, which is made by butterflies landing on a page, each with their own color and their own energy. And uh, indeed, the the process of listening and writing became much more alive for me just just hearing it to you. And I, I could share actually this experience I had in the course when you invited us to look, take, choose one word and see how this word was revealing itself. And I had chosen the word compassion, which is a theme I've been working, uh, writing quite a lot about. But those few minutes of looking at the word and just inviting it to reveal other facets opened up whole new realms for me for example the etymology is to suffer with compassion and so it was for me quite a grim actually uh, word but then I started thinking no there's also passion it's what we love it's what we care about and then there's cum which is with and it became compassion is a companion and <laughs> a whole new life <laughs> started coming out of that word and I felt oh my gosh I've been mistreating you by misunderstanding you and limiting my understanding of this word to such a narrow uh, narrow definition compared to all that it offers and I thought wow we could do that with each and every word so really quite a journey mm -hmm. and you, I mean you've also shared how much connecting to the living world and, and to nature is as such an you know central to your life and all you do and all of what you teach um can you say a little bit more about how your relationship to words both supports your connection to nature and is supported by it how how do the words come in in that in that uh, connection with nature hmm. it's a funny thing really i've been thinking about this because in a way uh you could say that words are very human and language is very human, and we could have a very long talk about 
you know language and, and sort of where it comes from and and you know in the beginning was the word and how it makes us and shapes us and so uh how can I walk out in nature in the living world and think it's going to talk to me in in my human language um and in a way I don't mind paradox I think paradox is is really wonderful it's just a a different kind of logic or maybe a perspective to a situation we haven't fully um explored yet so what I find whether I'm working with um the spirits of nature or other spirit helpers or or just being attentive um to an alive moment with someone else another human or another being um I find that inspiration and even guidance should we say um is often translated into the language that I understand um, it's a very kind thing that the that the spirits of nature do. I don't really know how it works, but that's how I've experienced it many, many years. That it's sort of like some kind of tuning facility that just it comes in a way that I understand it. Maybe, maybe it's they pluck a string in me as an instrument, and then the that tone in me, that string, sort of finds the natural translation into a human word I don't know that's sort of how I think of it and again it doesn't really matter so much but I do find that if I'm maybe standing very still and listening to a rock or a river or or going out to ask nature for guidance or asking how do you do this how do you see this earth what's your perspective to this issue this question that I have so that I'm not always working from a human perspective but I'm always asking the voice of the earth or a certain ecosystem or a certain part of an ecosystem or an element to say what do you want me to see here what haven't I seen what's your perspective um, what would you uh, encourage me to look for and somehow that comes to me in words and maybe it is because I'm a word person I love words ever since I was five years old you know just loved words so maybe it is that and they say well this is the medium that's good for her and so we'll talk to we'll sort of tune in the radio to that to that wavelength and uh, sometimes it's without words you know sometimes it's in the silences and the felt experiences and in the song I use a lot of song and um, but again coming back to this thing that the words in themselves if we if we honor them as really alive then in a way they they too are a kind of bridge between me and that that place in nature or that place in me that is nature and so they're a kind of tuning fork shall we say right that's how I think of them they, they sort of tune me and and so again if I'm listening maybe a word just comes to mind and is this word something that I've made up is this a word that comes purely from somewhere else or is it a word that arrives and appears in our meeting um, a lot of the time when I, I teach this working with the living world, people are very worried about, am I just making it up? And I, I talk a lot about how imagination is a meeting place between me and the living world. Uh, it can be a, a springboard um, where, where we come together and something happens in our meeting. And it's, it's so interesting to me, and I've been thinking about this for quite a few years now, how we're, we're so afraid of um, maybe being touched or inspired or or influenced by the world around us and the world inside us why should it just be me making it up why is that truth 
Why is it not the truth of the moment and the truth of the meeting that something bigger than both of us is created when we meet? And um, and so I do find that I when I walk in nature, and, and when I say nature, I mean, I also do these kind of guided, attentive walks asking for you know, uh, help and inspiration. I also do them in built up areas and cities and they work very well. It's just really being present and attentive with a, with a clear intention and a willingness to listen deeply. Um, for me, I find that that words come and help me to, to connect, uh, help me to, mm -hmm. to carry the experience um, in, a, in a way that I can share it with others. And also that I can remember it for myself. I know for some people, um, visual arts is a is a better medium but for me the words they sort of are the glue that holds it together mm, beautiful and i i was wondering you you also speak swedish of course and so you have this fluency in english and and swedish do you find that a one language comes in certain circumstances and then other i i, I asked because i i also speak several languages and i find that each one i feel a different person when I'm in working with one language or another and it's like a language is a landscape as well how how do you experience the, yes this living with several languages and um yeah do some words in does one language come in in some situations and another in others very much and you know I wish that I had more than two languages that I was really really sort of feeling like I'm at home in but um I was 11 when I moved from Sweden to England and I only knew a bit of English then and then I also lived in Scotland um, and so I lived from the age of 11 to um, just before my 40th birthday in the UK and I never thought I was going to move back and so um, it was a really interesting relationship for me about um, what is my mother tongue and who am I when I use different languages? And, and it used to be uh, difficult for me. And then I did a lot of work around how that can actually just align with each other and, and live comfortably with each other. So it becomes, you know, a gift and a blessing. And I think that was one of the key things that made me so interested in languages and, and what the different experiences are, because there are some words that are just not possible to really um, fully translate and express and also I realized that um, there's some words that have to be said in Swedish right and there's some things that when said in, in English they sound wonderful and and powerful when they say, are said in Swedish they fall flat and so there's something again about working with the, the song and the presence and the spirit of a language uh, not of a people but of a language and it's it's really um, a very deep and mystical thing and and meeting the language for what it is and and allowing myself to have the song of that language in me again not just the the sort of mechanics of it but how do i carry the song and and a way of learning languages is to to ask to meet the song of that language or the spirit of that language first before we begin to try and remember the vocabulary and the grammar and it's a really lovely way to sort of receive you know, uh, a language inside of us. Beautiful. I wanted to also 
come back to what you said uh, a few minutes before about the the paradoxes that somehow don't necessarily have to be paradoxes. That's also something you share in the in the course, writing with soul, inviting us to work with words that are seemingly opposite, like failure and play, or fear and courage, and. As seeing these words and the relationship between them as a key that helps us also understand our relationship with the world. Would you like to say a little bit more about these pairs of words and their interplay? Yeah, thank you. I, I love to talk about this. And it's been a long uh, journey for me to really uh, explore this and, and sort of come to understand what it is that I, I sort of feel about this. And I realized for so long that so much, certainly in, in the culture that I'm raised in, in, in Europe, Northern Europe, uh, we're asked to separate uh, things that we are deemed uh, opposites. And so we can't see what I'm doing now, but I'm moving my hand. So like the two opposites, whether it's night and day or light and dark or um, fear and courage, let's get them as far away from each other as possible, right? As if they are magnets that um, repel each other. But uh, I start, I, I just, and this again, wasn't like a theory that I thought, oh, I believe in this theory. It was like a feeling like, oh, I feel like I'm torn apart. And I feel like I'm, should I stand on that side or that side? And I feel unbalanced. And, you know, it just wasn't a very nice way to be in terms of healing and I, I went through many many years of like just trying to heal myself into a more whole way of being so that I could feel alive and present and not struggling so much and so then I felt like why are we trying to push them apart why are we not inviting them to come together they should be magnets that like that that want to be together you know they're not repelling each other they're appealing to each other so so the whole idea of opposites is sort of a misnomer, I feel. It's like, it's not opposite there, it's a pair, right? And in the pair, if we say, okay, to be whole, they need each other, right? And so sometimes I tell a story of, of, of day and night and light and dark, and maybe I'll tell that in another um, uh, situation, but of how they need each other and how they um, flow into one another and how they support one another. And uh, this is sort of a nice idea, but for me, it's much more than a nice idea. It's it's it helped to heal my life into, you know, what we often like to name and term as a more holistic approach. And I just feel that that's what the earth really needs. That's what we need. You know, we don't need to be torn apart and choose sides. We need to come together into a more sort of holistic way of feeling that each part has its part to play. And so let's honor the dark and the night for what it brings us. Let's honor the day and the light for what it brings us. They all bring different things to the table and, and we all need their gifts, you know, uh, and that's the way to come back into balance. And so I feel, how can we talk about courage without talking about fear? I mean, we, we come to understand fear by exploring courage. We come to understand courage by exploring fear. And again, like allowing them to touch each other and to, to bind with each other, you know, allowing them to be playmates and partners so that we can um, be whole in, in their presence. And I really feel this is really important and uh, do a lot of work 
with people on endings and beginnings, whether that is in the story or a project or just personally or in life. And I realized even when I talked to, to writers, which I, I used to teach uh, for many, many years, talk to, to writers about their creative process, I realized that a lot of people thought that the beginning was at one end and then the end was at one end of this sort of long line. And then I thought, I'm just going to take this piece of string that is this line of beginning and ending, and I'm just going to like make it into a circle. And then when we make it into a circle, what happens? Well, the point of the beginning and the ending become very, very close to each other. They're touching, right? And they're just looking over a small, small gap at each other and, and having a relationship. So, uh, so no longer are they separated far apart from each other. They're actually brought into close relationship. And, and the beginning is just turning into the ending. And the ending is just turning into the beginning. And so this is sort of part of this feeling of living in a more cyclical, circular way in everything that we do. And I feel that when I do that, life just becomes infinitely more rich and interesting and, and things begin to move and shift. So it, again, it's, it's this feeling of life being fluid and flexible and offering its, its constant sort of constant change and movement to me so I can carry on and be present rather than being fearful and wanting to control it I just say okay I'm going to listen and and follow and see what what comes oh thank you thank you Zara well we're reaching the end of our conversation though I feel it's the beginning of a longer conversation and you started by saying how listening is so important and you've indeed ended with that circle of where listening is so important I'd the words that also come to me listening to you and I have the privilege of seeing you as we speak is also the dance because you're you're speaking uh, with your hands and there's a dance also of your eyes so it's the dance of words and as an invitation invitation to also enjoy the dance of life um, all around us. So thank you very much for this very inspirational sharing and invitation to connect with life in all its forms um, in much deeper and joyful ways. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> thank you so much and uh, wish you to enjoy the dance and we will carry on with that. Yes, certainly. <laughs> thank you.